Today on Hardcore Christianity, Andy and I will attempt to answer the question, why is the Bible truth? We'll explore statistics highlighting what people in America believe about the Bible. We'll examine evidence supporting the validity of the Bible, and we'll discuss what all of this says about our God. The entire Christian faith, as well as this series, is predicated on the belief that the Bible is objective truth. If you struggle with this idea, or if you want to have your faith strengthened in the validity of the Bible, I want you to stick around for this episode of Hardcore Christianity. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Hardcore Christianity, where we're talking about why is the Bible truth. And the idea about this episode and the entire series of Hardcore Christianity is based on the idea of the Bible being truth. Because when we talk about the different topics that we'll be talking about in the future, we use the Bible as our anchor, as um, our foundation, and mm -hmm. that helps us to guide uh, our discussion and how we can determine um, what we believe about these different topics. So it's important to understand that the Bible is objective truth, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And when we say objective truth, that means that it doesn't matter what I think or how I've been raised or what other people <clears> have been telling me. The Bible still is truth, and it's objective truth regardless of what culture we're in, what year it is, you know, what people are doing in our society. The Bible does not change because the Bible is the same. Just like our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yep. the Bible does not change since the time it was written until the time Jesus comes back. So as we begin, why don't we talk about what we mean when we say the Bible? Why don't we define that? Well, um, I actually looked up, you know, everybody has their opinion on the Bible, but I looked up International Bible Society, and they describe it as the account of God's action in the world and his purpose with all creation. And I, that of all of them uh, kind of would be how I would sum it up the best as well. You know, I've been taking a, a theology class, and one thing I've learned is just that the Lord's hand has moved through history, and that, you know, what his will is has been reflected through what we say is our history, and that comes out through the Bible time mm -hmm. and time again. Mm -hmm. Well, I, we typically don't talk about Scripture this early in the episode, but again, uh, to complement some of what you said, um, I like the portion of Scripture that from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, mm -hmm. which says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful yes. for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And using the idea that what you said from the International uh, Bible Society, and let me just kind of dovetail, there was a little bit more that I read also mm -hmm, uh, from that. It says, uh, the writing of the Bible took place over 16 centuries and is the work of over 40 human authors. It is a collection of 66 books um, with very different styles, all containing the message uh, uh, God desires to have for us. So if we start to think about the definition of the Bible, what we consider the Bible to be, as you mentioned, it is God's word for us. It's how he communicates to us. But also, as it says in 2 Timothy, that it has a purpose. It is mm -hmm. a tool that, we, that God uses in our lives to help yes. us, to teach us, to grow us, to help us to learn more about who he is so that we can pattern our lives accordingly. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, I've heard it referenced, the New Testament referenced as a missionary handbook to a certain extent. And a lot of the Old Testament you know, I think Christians shy away from it, and they're like, that's a different God, mm -hmm. but it's not. He's the same God, and it's the way that he relates. And I, 
I, I spent a year going through the Old and New Testament together, and it is a cohesive story. It's mm-hmm. amazing from chapter 1 of Genesis how it already points forward to the redemption and how walking through that, you really get a, a feeling of the heart for God. You know, like most, most instances, people remember more of, of the, the bad than mm-hmm. they do the good. You know, so a lot of people, especially who aren't familiar with the Bible, like to bring up the anger of the Lord in the right. Old Testament. That there is just so much love. You really see his heart really truly from Adam and Eve and his response to their fall. Mm-hmm. And to know that he, he was aware of this before he even initiated creation really just gives you an awe sense of how great our God is. Absolutely. And when we think about <clears throat> the Bible and its, and its complete, uh, how complete it is, it is 66 books or 66, yeah, 66 books mm-hmm. that make up the Bible. And for those who might be wondering, you know, how do we know that there's not more of the Bible out there, that is the complete Bible? Well, I don't know. I, one of the things that about myself is I've never been very good at history. Yeah. And I've never been good at geography, which is not very good for a Christian to have because the Bible is geography and it is a lot of history. But the one thing that I have learned, and, and there's more about this online, is there is an explanation as to why the Bible is 66 books and how it's laid out the way that it is and why it is the way that it is and why some things have been omitted. Yes. And uh, if anyone wants to know more information about that, um, ChristianDataResources.com slash canon has more information about that. I'm not going to go about and, into it here. But if you want to, you can check out that uh, website and uh, check out some of that data there and see uh, what others. And there are, there's more information other than that, but that at least is one, one place to check about why the Bible is complete. And as believers, we need to believe that the Bible is complete. And one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is complete, besides uh, what people are saying about the Bible, is because our God, I believe, would not lead us astray. Absolutely. The Bible has been around for so long, and God wants us to know more about him, to know who he is. So he wouldn't confuse us. And he is great enough to be able to um, augment and change events in such a way that the Bible will be what he wants the Bible to be. Mm-hmm. So my belief as to why the Bible is complete, these 66 books make up the complete Bible, is because if it weren't the complete Bible, God would have changed it. He Absolutely. would have made a way for it to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the Bible that we're talking about when we're uh, talking about hardcore Christianity. This is the Bible that we'll be referencing, and uh, we're going to be taking the entire Bible and not just portions of the Bible as we uh, explore some of these topics moving forward. So let's head on to why are we even asking this question? Why are we asking if the Bible is truth or not? Uh, Well, I think that in society there is uh, a waning in the truth of the Bible. So our country was founded very biblically. Not all of the founding fathers were Christians, but they all had a belief in an ultimate creator who had ultimate authority. So that's really where our inalienable rights come from. Inalienable, inalienable meaning that no man has bestowed upon us, the, upon each other, or upon us, and no man can remove them. Mm-hmm. That being created in the image of God, that we have these rights, and so we have moved away from that more and more. And I think we're seeing that today. Um, I did look up a Gallup poll from 2017. It was reported by Lydia Saad, S A A D. It says, in part, that fewer than one in four Americans, 24%, now believe the Bible is the actual word of God and is to be taken literally, word for word. Mm. 
similar to the 26% who view the book as view it as a, a book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man. Mm. Uh, this is the first time in the four-decade trend of the Gallup poll that biblical literalism, so people who believe the Bible is true, is the word of God, uh, is um, below the number of people who, who don't believe in the Bible. Uh, and so um, that's, a big, that's a big trend. So now there's officially, it's always been just a little bit ahead of people who take the Bible as literal. That number is now falling below those who say, no, absolutely not. It's a book of fables. Hmm. Um, that was a I, that was a big big deal, and the article went on to to make a big deal of that. Um, but surprisingly, there's a there's a large proportion of Americans that um, fall in the middle, and that say that it is the inspired work of the Word of God, but it shouldn't be taken literally. Hmm. And I think that in my personal experience, you run into that with a lot of uh, Christians, and I and um, it's it's to speak to what you said earlier it's hard to understand that when it is the the word of god and i think that that's that that um a big purpose why we we are starting this off with this why is the bible real why can it be trusted and it's unfortunate that we have to clarify sometimes about christians we some we sometimes we (coughs) say bible believing christians as if there are Christians who don't believe in the Bible. Yeah, are you absolutely. a Bible-believing Christian? Mm. And that's unfortunate because I believe that every Christian should be a Bible-believing Christian. Yeah. And I've heard uh, the term thrown around a lot, too, about evangelical Christians. I never really even knew what an ev- evangelical Christian was. But just like a Bible-believing Christian, we should all be evangelical Christians, people mm-hmm. who express our faith. Yes. And so these are terms that should not have to be tied to a believer. And we know that uh, I think there there's been talk about 80% of, of Americans believe that there is a God, that God exists. And so you have everyone from really hardcore sold out Christians who believe everything in the Bible all the way to people who are just, you know, I t- dip my foot and my toe into Christ- the pool of Christianity. I go to church twice a year on the mm-hmm. holidays and yeah. that kind of thing. Easter and Christmas. And, yep. And so there's everything in between. And so unfortunately we need to clarify sometimes that we are Bible believing Christians and uh, that's what we are on this show, and that's why we hold the Bible in such high regard. Yes, absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, those statistics, um, I also mentioned something that is not surprising from Barna uh, American Bible Study, who found that um, uh, the older someone is, the more likely they are to regularly engage with the Bible. Millennials were found to be the least engaged in the Bible, and this is from ChristianHeadlines.com, which to me is 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 uh, an unfortunate trend because of course we want to teach our youth to accept and believe in the Lord mm-hmm. and the older generation seems to be holding strong but it's those it's the newer generation I think it's cultural too yeah, um, because of all of the the, th- the changes that are happening in our world and our society and the, and the liberality that is so prevalent in America right now so as children are born and are raised they're raised with the idea that this is important the liberal um, idea of what it means to be a person in this world that is more important than the bible the bible is old news um, so i think that uh, the millennial generation and maybe even the uh, the um, generation to come after them it's going to be a really hard uh, generation to reach but i hope that that won't be the case and i'm praying that that won't be the case Absolutely. It's not surprising the trends that we're seeing with the millennial generation and the generation following up with them when you see the, the uh, 
fury and the anger at just bringing the Bible to school mm-hmm. or reading scripture or even putting the name of Jesus on um, a billboard or anything like that. It's constantly attacked. The word of God is constantly attacked. So to to a lay Christian or a child being raised in a Christian home where they only go to church a few times a year or maybe once a month, what message is that portraying? Mm-hmm. What is that saying? That that's not to be taken seriously. Right. Or that there's something wrong with that. Um you know, a lot of people turn to the media for their information now. And GQ magazine, I don't know if you heard about this, but they came out with a list of 20 or 21 books that are just, don't waste your time in reading. And the Bible was on that list. Wow. And the quote from the, the article that I read says that the Holy Bible is rated very highly by all people who supposedly live by it, but who in actuality have never read it. Hmm. Those who have read it know that there are some good parts, but overall it is certainly not the finest thing that man has ever produced. It is repetitive, self-contradictory, sententious, which I have no idea what that means, foolish, and even at times ill-intentioned. So that is a just completely false view of what the Holy Bible is Mm -hmm. and what the Word of God is, and obviously written by someone who's never taken the time to get to know the God of the Bible. Because as you said, there's a God that people think, because everyone has some belief that, you know, all of this couldn't just happen, but... Uh, you know, you can have an opinion about who God is, and then you can take the no- time to know who he is by, by seeking him. And I think a lot of people listen and hear, even Christians, hear from their pastors about who God is, but oftentimes they don't delve into the Bible themselves Absolutely. and, and mm-hmm. read and understand and let the Holy Spirit teach them. Because um, I'm sure we're going to touch on this later uh, in our talk, but the Bible is living and active. It changes, mm-hmm. not changes in, as, as in this content, but, it, but the Holy Spirit uses in different ways to speak to our hearts the application mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. if we're not reading it ourselves and we're only being taught uh by people mm-hmm. uh then i think that um that that our our faith is going to always be young we're always going to mm-hmm. be immature christians because we need to delve into the bible ourselves and i'm reminded of uh the a story in second kings ch- chapter 22 i don't know if you remember the story of josiah and king, uh, king oh. josiah and then hilkiah the, the yes. prophet but i bring this up because um, for those who don't know the story, it basically follows the, the line of kings uh, after um, uh, God allowed uh, the Israelites to have kings to, to, to be over them. A lot of the kings um, went away from God and began mm-hmm. to, to serve other gods and began to become more pagan. Even some are even more pagan than the pagans. Yeah. It got so bad uh, until, until Josiah came along and Hilkiah uh, brought to him. Uh, the Bible, the, 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 the law, the book of the law. And it wasn't until he read that that he understand and, and, and uh, was reintroduced to who God is. Uh, he changed everything about uh, um, uh, his, the culture, his, his nation, and he wholeheartedly followed God. And I think that I bring that up because I would love that to happen in our, in our, our country mm-hmm. where we've gone away from the Lord and in a lot of ways, we don't follow what the Bible says. And we don't even, as you had mentioned, acknowledge the power and the authority of the Bible. Uh, so what we need to do is be reintroduced to the Bible. A lot of us need mm. to be reinfused and, and relearn what the Bible says um, for ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to show us, wait, we've been living all this, this time thinking we're doing what God wants us to do, but the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know that. So I think that uh, people need to delve into the Bible themselves just like they did in Second Kings when they were reintroduced to what the Bible was so that we can be reintroduced and to who, to who God is if we are not, are not currently in the Bible ourselves. 
I agree, and, and you spoke to the key, which is the Holy Spirit. So for someone, say an, an editor or a, a journalist at GQ Magazine who, who obviously does not have the Holy Spirit to look at it, I could see how that might come across that way. And they're going to compartmentalize it and segment it. They're not going to take the time to really process over or chew on it. But the Holy Spirit is the key. And for a, a, a Bible-believing Christian to <laughs> Bible-believing <laughs> Christian to approach the Bible and to pray for the Holy Spirit to d- help him to know Absolutely. or help them to know. You know, John Piper speaks to that very clearly. He prays over, Lord, infuse me with your word because the word that we read is literally spoken and, and engineered by the same word that spoke us into life. Yeah. And so it is a book of, of just life, and it is the same word that we are reading and the same spirit that is inside of us wrote those words and created us. It's, and that spirit inside of us knows. And I think that that's why it's such a uh, hot topic mm-hmm. right now is because even for unbelievers, their spirit inside them knows who their creator is. Mm-hmm. And they know that when they hear that word of God, that that is the word of its life. And that their flesh is just completely, you know, subduing it, is just completely shoving away, and that just causes that black backlash. Mm-hmm at the word and and it's amazing speaking back to Josiah if I remember correctly there was some remodeling being done in the temple and that the right. the scripture had been found mm-hmm. yep. and that just shows you right there that the Lord will not let his word be, be stifled or shoved away and mm-hmm. that when it comes out it is just time after time there's revival throughout history biblical history through old church age through today where the when the word is brought to a people it just explodes mm-hmm. it's just the spirit is alive well let's pray for that for sure um, well, let's move on to the next question, which is, what do we, you and me, uh, believe about the validity of the Bible? I know through what we've been talking already, it kind of shines through, but what, what would you say to that question? Well, contrary to you, I am a big history buff. Okay. I, I enjoy it, so I'm a very literal person, and that's one thing that initially drew me into the Bible. Uh, it was, it's difficult to read uh, when I first started Christian. I, I only became a Christian when I was in my late 20s. And so really starting to get into it, I had a hard time with that. So one thing that really caught me was the story of Cyrus. That's really when the, the word came alive, and I was just I realized that this had been uh, written by the one true God okay. and not, not by men. So for me, the story of Cyrus, and I, I don't know if it's all right if I share, but sure. um, the, the book of Isaiah, which is where the Cyrus is first mentioned, uh, was... Uh, or the life of Isaiah. Isaiah lived from 739 to 681 B.C. So he wrote a little snippet via the Holy Spirit about Cyrus. It's Isaiah chapter 45, uh, verses 1 through 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue the nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed, I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes and secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who, who call you by name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So that was written somewhere probably closer to 681 B.C. 
Cyrus was not born until 80 years later. And anyone who, who has read the, read the book of Daniel knows that Isaiah was where Daniel got the, the new one that was going to be um, time for the Israelites to be freed from Babylon. Mm -hmm. He knew Cyrus was going to be the one that the Lord was going to anoint to free them from Babylon. He took Isaiah's scripture to Cyrus. Cyrus read that and was just awestruck that, that the God of Israel had spoken about him 100 years or 80 years at least before he was even born. Mm -hmm. And that he was included in the word, and that and Cyrus did started the initiation where the Jews went back from Babylon into Jerusalem and into to build to rebuild the temple. So that for me was a very powerful, very powerful first of just prophecies. Like this is that's written in in secular history, mm -hmm. and it's very clearly dated when Isaiah wrote that. Wow. I am the Lord. There is no other. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, there are three reasons why I believe that the Bible is valid. The validity of the Bible. And I think maybe some believers might be able to, to uh, uh, um, you know, relate to some of these. First one is because I was raised to believe that the Bible is true. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, I'm blessed and I'm mm -hmm. so happy that my mother was a believer and that she raised me as a believer, that she taught me the importance of following Christ. Uh, and I think about those who are out there who don't have that foundation, mm -hmm. uh, especially people who have been raised in other cultures and are raised un with other gods, um, that the Lord then brings them out of that and then shows them the truth of the word, uh, the truth of him and who he is, how difficult that must be and how hard uh, that of a choice uh, uh, of how much figuring out how much it costs to follow Christ to make to take that step. I was blessed to, to not have to go through that, but I realized that it's the Father who draws us. So even in those cultures, yeah. even in those times, the Lord can draw you unto himself. But for me, I was taught. I was raised that way. And the second reason is because the Bible has proven itself true in my life. Um, I read the wisdom of the Bible. I uh, uh, am affected by the Holy Spirit and believe in the Holy Spirit, and I see his hand in my life. Uh, it is true to what the Bible says um, that will happen if you do so and so. If you do A, B, and C, the Lord will um, react in this certain way. And the Bible has been true in my life. I can read it, and I know that the things that I believe have proven themselves true mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. And no one can take that away. No one can say, well, that's mm -hmm. not true. I know because I lived it. And so that's number two. And number three is that my faith, uh, I hold strongly to the idea that the Bible is true. My whole identity in Christ, my identity as a Christian here on this planet is predicated on the belief that the Bible is true. It's a house of cards. If it weren't true, I, I don't know what I would do. So my whole being is, uh, is based off of the idea that the Bible is true. And it's so strong in me that uh, I can't even imagine it not being true. So those are the three reasons as to why I believe and why I find the Bible valid in my life. Mm -hmm. And I know there are several others that other people might be able to point out, uh, but uh, and, and any of them are strong reasons. Uh, but but anyway, that's that's where I came from. I would add to that the the innate ability for the Bible to speak to the human condition, and that nothing ever changes. Mm -hmm. So you'll you'll find the entire gamut of the human condition and and just humanity and the w why we are and the way we are in the Bible, and and for it to be in that in depth and covered that completely could only be from word from our creator mm -hmm. so um what do why do people question whether the bible is the inspired word of god why would you say well i uh, uh have a few 
um, thoughts on that, but I, I tried to put my opinion aside and actually look it up. And <laughs> I went to the American Humanist Association's website. Oh. So on there, Joseph Sommer uh, wrote, Humanists reject the claim that the Bible is the word of God. They are convinced the book was written solely by humans in an ignorant, superstitious, and cruel age. They believe that because the writers of the Bible lived in an unenlightened era, the book contains many errors and harmful teachings. So then again, you're hearing that, that there's mm -hmm. consideration that the book contradicts itself or that there's errors. And uh, we know by society today that the book is seen, the, the Bible is starting to be seen as a hate book. Like even just the name of Jesus is considered a yeah. hate word. Um, and then another thing is that uh, when it comes to Bible truth, a lot of critics think that the early church, you know, the, the Old Testament doesn't really come into question so much as to whether or not it should be in the Bible, but the New Testament does. And how the, the canons were really brought into to being. Uh, how did we, the Old Testament has what we would call 39 books, but in the Jewish Bible, it's not that many because right. a lot of the books that we have separated are together and all the prophets are in one book. Mm -hmm. But it's still the, the same as the Jewish Bible. The New Testament is really run in, where you run into a lot of the questioning as to should these be in there. And uh, a lot of crit crit critics argue that uh, when they, the 66 books were come together, that was for a political uh, motivation, hmm. that it was to make the church more powerful and that they, they chose what would make them more powerful and they, they left out what would uh, not make them so powerful. And, and I wouldn't agree with that at all. Um, but I think that there's that questioning that people try to use the Bible uh, to their advantage mm -hmm. and, and that it's politically motivated and that, you know, ultimately because of the, the strength and the size of the church for so long in, in history that uh, they see it as during that time that it was just put together for what best suited mm -hmm. them, but not truly what God would have had or wanted to put into the Bible. Well, I will pull back on my opinion <laughs> because I did not read any quotes, but my opinion as to why people don't believe that the Bible is true I think that people don't want to believe mm -hmm. that the Bible is true. I think that it's human nature to want to be selfish, to want to uh, be our own boss. And the Bible assumes that there is a creator. And when we assume that there is a creator, then that means that we have to answer mm -hmm. to a creator. And I think it's human nature to not want to have to, uh, to answer to anyone for our actions. Um, so I think that... Uh, that people are opposed to the idea, oftentimes, not everyone, but uh, are, are opposed to the idea that there is a God that is over us that we will have to answer to one day. And so, and I also think that we oftentimes build in our own moral codes and we want to follow what our own moral codes yeah. are. And so if there is an absolute uh, um, objective truth, well, that's contrary to my moral code. Well, that doesn't mix. Well, I got to choose one or the other. I'm going to choose my moral code because that's what I want to believe. And since the, the Bible and the, the, the reality of it has not been ingrained in people who are unbelievers, then they can easily cast that off and say, well, I don't believe that. Yes. I believe this. This is my rules. This is my, mm -hmm. my, the way I live my life. I would never kill someone, but, you know, sleeping around, that's not a, ba that's not a big deal. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, of, of things where people don't want to have uh, someone tell them what to do. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why people don't believe in the Bible, because the Bible has a lot of good to oh, it and it helps mm -hmm. us to live. And a lot of pe parents bring their children to, to church, even if they themselves may not go, because then they know that their children are being taught things that are good, that are morally good, mm -hmm. um, even if, it's, if they don't want to accept them themselves. 
Absolutely. What you're speaking to is relativism, and that's, that's rampant in our society today, but it's, it's really been a progression throughout history. We didn't just arrive to the spot to where there's no authority. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bible is authoritative. And, and, and just stepping back to not being men who take the Bible literally, um, if you're looking at the Bible and you say, okay, this is the word of God who has all authority over all creation from which stems from him that he has uh, spoken to being, then we need to sit to say to do what this says. And I think to speak to the human condition that you were just talking about, if we reject that, then we're not responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't work like that. Right. And I think that the relativism comes in. It, it's been, I would, for our culture and our society, put it back to the World War II era. You come back and there's just this push against society. There's this push against, you know, biblical truth. And that's, we saw that progress and push into the 60s. And then into the 70s and then into the 80s and just keeps kind of growing and growing so that that relativism my truth is my truth and mm-hmm. and that and basically um it comes down to as children we're taught that evolution is true mm-hmm. so right. if we if we're taught that evolution is true that means that we we are nothing we came from nothing and there's no point to anything right so my truth is my truth and my rules are my rules and, and you don't get to tell me what to do and, and I think that people live like that today they won't admit it unless they're big jerks but everyone's motivated by what they're going to do and right. what they want to do right and when you when you are the Bible confronts you head-on with that and it takes it takes your human condition and it is absolutely speaks to your morals and your ethics and it doesn't say well just because you think you're better than your neighbor that you are this is the plumb line this is this is the line for what it means to be morally and ethic. This is what you were created for. And number one is do not speak against your God. Mm-hmm. The first five commandments speak to that. And the second five uh, command us and how we're to treat each other because mm-hmm. we're created in the image of God. Mm. So it just is a snowballing effect when you when you have that relativism where there's nothing objective, nothing's truth, what's ultimate truth. Yeah. I have a really good friend that has starts a lot of conversations over the gospel about what is, is their ultimate truth. You know, because you say that, that um, you know, it's okay for um, us to have abortions, but you say that committing murder against a, an adult is, is wrong. Well, well, where do you get that truth? You know, which is it? Right. And so I think a lot of people want to reject that. And, and I think it, it's, we're, in a grace, we're in a grace-filled society that doesn't want to really call people out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's not politically correct to, to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Well, let's head on to our last question before break, before we take a little break here. But uh, besides the Bible, is there anything else that attests to the truth of the Bible? Well, I think that this could be a complete session all by itself. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You, you can look at it historically. You can look at it uh, all sorts of aspects. For me, it was a lot of history. Um, the, the, the main thing that I... I really caught my attention was that there are 24,000 ancient New Testament manuscripts that have been discovered so far. Uh, the second closest literary work from antiquity that is not the Bible is Homer's The Iliad. Mm-hmm. And so there's only 643 manuscripts of Homer's The Iliad that have been uh, um, preserved compared to the 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And uh, we have handwritten pages of the Old Testament that date back to the 200s BC, mm-hmm. and uh, these these manuscripts from the 200s BC match the Bible we read mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And also, um, there's fragments of John's Gospel that date from 110 to 130. 
So if John wrote Revelation in roughly 90 A.D., mm-hmm. you, we're looking at a 20 to 30 year gap from the time that he passed away to the, the first portions of his gospel that we have. And just to, to speak back to the Iliad, the, the closest manuscript we have from when the Iliad first came up in, in history was 500 years. Yeah. And so that right there speaks an amazing, um, uh, just uh, how that the word of the Bible can be trusted. It has not been manipulated or changed over time. Mm-hmm. That the translations, while, you know, sometimes state things differently, that the translation we have today is, is completely faithful to how it was originally written. Um, also, I, I went on focus on the family. There are archaeological findings constantly that mm-hmm. they're discovering that prove the Bible is true, like the Hittites. Hittites don't come up in secular history at all, yet the Bible speaks very clearly about them. And until recently, when Hittite um, archaeological digs were, were discovered, and they're like, oh, holy smoke, the Bible has been right the whole time. And it's the same, you know, time and time again, Jericho, uh, there's, there's countless um, manuscripts in, in the Jewish um, documentation that attests to the life of Jesus, that he was a man, that he was alive, that he was crucified by the Romans. The Romans kept very strict documentation. They were very, they were very, very good at their bureaucracy <laughs> and keeping things in order. Uh, and then, if you look to what you spoke to, the redeemed lives. Mm-hmm. You know, there are countless redeemed lives, and just a few famous people are C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. a former atheist, mm-hmm. college professor, who who basically came to the spot. He's very uh, famous for saying that either Jesus was a lunatic, a liar, or God. And he landed on God, mm-hmm. a very intelligent man. And he also went to, on to lead on the, the author of Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, go ahead. Tolkien, yes. Tolkien, yeah. And that he led him to Christ as well. Uh, another one was John Newton. He was a slave ship master who uh, converted to Christianity. And he, ended, uh, by the end of his life, had written the hymn Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And then this one I found very um, poignant was Norma McCarvey. Do you know who that was? I did have it written down, but go ahead. Well, it was the it was the woman at the heart of the U.S. Supreme Court case that resulted in uh, right, legalized right. abortion. Roe versus Wade, yeah. Yep, and she now speaks for the right of the preborn to live. Yes. And came to Christ. Well, those are great examples. I'm just going to boil it down for the viewers and listeners. Just and I, I, I read similar things, probably even from the same sources that you were mentioning here, but I'm going to break it down into the five into five evidences uh, so that people can kind of get the get it in a nutshell. And this is all from uh, bringyourbible.org. And the five evidences that they that they uh, lay out, some of which what you already mentioned, but the documentation. Uh, that mm-hmm. the, there are thousands of ancient hand-copied documents referred to as uh, manuscripts that provide proof of the New Testament and Old Testament's historical consistency. In fact, uh, there are significantly more documentation for the books of the Bible than there are for other historically recognized authors and literature, such as Plato and the Iliad, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, point number two, uh, archaeological findings. And you mentioned this too. They, they say that ex- excavation sites and artifacts have provided evidence that many of the events, people, and places mentioned to the Bible really exist, such as the city of Jericho and the famous walls or the Hittites that you mentioned mm-hmm. too, uh, a people group that was once thought by skeptics uh, to be a myth. Point number three, the life of Jesus. And you hit on this really well. The fact that uh, Jesus was a true historical person is clearly documented by Jewish manuscripts even before Apostle Paul and the writers of the Gospels provided their eyewitnesses accounts. There's a lot more to say about Jesus, but I'm going to go on to point number four, 
which is uh, the fulfilled prophecies, which says that the Bible contains hundreds, even thousands of prophecies that have been fulfilled, including detailed descriptions of events that would later um, happen to the Jewish people and surrounding nations, as well as prophecies about the life mm-hmm. and death of Christ. And last one, which you hit on last two, was the redeemed lives, because the Bible speaks uh, to the condition of the human soul in a way that has life-changing impact on individuals from all cultures, nations, and walks of life. And you mentioned a few of them uh, as we were wrapping up there. So there are a lot, there, there's a lot of proof, uh, probably more proof about the Bible than then I would argue any uh, documented uh, manuscript on the planet. Or any book that we're using in our public schools. (laughs) (laughs) True true that, too. Um, So we need to take heed that the Bible is truth, and and, uh, we'll talk more about that when we return from the break. But uh, uh, when we return, we will turn our attention to what the Bible says about itself. And if the Bible is objective truth, what that says about our God. So stay with us. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Want to watch episodes of Christian music videos online? Visit the CMV Mobile YouTube channel and catch full episodes featuring independent Christian artists. Every month, one new episode from the television series is added to the channel. Now, You can watch CMV anytime on your mobile device, computer, and even your television using a web-enabled device like the Apple TV. Just go to ktfproductions.com and find the CMV mobile link on the Christian Music video page. You can also subscribe to the channel if you want to be updated when a new episode is added. CMV Mobile. Watch anytime, anywhere. Allow yourself to be challenged and encouraged toward a deeper relationship with Christ through Lord of My Life Bible devotions. For the print version, you could read online or subscribe and have them emailed to you as they are posted. And for the audio version, you can listen online or subscribe to the audio podcast and receive episodes as they are released. The Lord of My Life Bible devotions. Find them at ktfproductions.com. Today, Andy and I have been exploring the question, why is the Bible truth? So far, we've talked about what Americans believe about the validity of the Bible today, and we've explained and examined evidence supporting the validity of the Bible. In this segment, we'll begin by asking what the Bible says about itself. So Andy, what does the Bible say about itself? Well, the Second Timothy verse that you point out, 316, is, is beautiful. Uh, it's first on my, my list. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So that, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. Uh, really sticks out to me in that as, as, a, um, as a, a real uh, value in the word. And that it is, it is in so many ways uh, a way for us to get to know our God. Mm-hmm. and what the expectations are uh, from him for us and the promises he gives us. Um, Second Peter uh, 1, verses 20 through 21, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God 
as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That speaks directly to one author, multiple penmen, mm-hmm. one author. So I thought that that was that right there is is powerful. And then finally, uh, Psalm one nineteen verse eighty nine: Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Mm-hmm. His word will will not uh, go away and, and um, every jot and every tittle will come to be come yeah. to pass. I have a couple other verses to add to this list. Uh, one from Hebrews 4.12 that says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and, mar- and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. So the Bible is used to show us who we are. It, it, it helps us to grow. It You can't fool the Bible because yeah. the Bible knows the heart of man because it was written, of course, by the by the Lord, by mm-hmm. the God who knows the hearts of man. So the Bible is written in such a way that it helps us to be able to be able to honestly examine ourselves. Yes. And so when we read something that is convicting, it is convicting because the Holy Spirit is showing us the truth of the Bible, the truth of who God is and that. It, it divides. It divides our soul, and our, you know, it just really kind of penetrates us in a deep way. Those who do believe that the Bible is truth, and then also in James uh, chapter one, verse twenty-three to twenty-five, uh, it compares the Bible to a mirror. It says, "Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself." goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Mm. So I love that because it shows that the Bible is a reflection. It shows you who you are and it teaches you the way you should go. The Bible tells us that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, that we should be doers of the word. And there's evidence that if we do follow the word, that God will use that to affect our lives in a way that mm-hmm. it makes us more aligned to who he is, uh, more pleasing to who he wants us to be. And that's mm-hmm. what every believer wants. So the Bible is our guide and it helps us to know how to behave. And I like what Paul says when he says that um, um, if, if the Bible didn't tell me that coveting was a sin, then I wouldn't even know uh, that I was sinning when I coveted. Mm-hmm. And I, I jumped ahead here, but it says in Romans 7, 7, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the Bible teaches us uh, w- what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't know it ourselves, it teaches us what God's will is, what God wants for us what objective truth is and god is truth so it says even says that jesus is the way the truth and the life and when it talks about the truth i believe it's referring to the word and the truth of his word Mm -hmm. absolutely those are beautiful scripture and and again that speaks to the i think about this way when i sit down and get ready to read the word and i say the prayer like lord just guide me through your spirit i want to know you more i want to know you better um that i have the spirit in me that wrote the word and mm-hmm. that, what better way to, to have that uh, translated for me and, and to ap- apply it to today. And as you were speaking, the word that came to my mind was progressive sanctification. You know, we are saved and we are justified, but there's that process of being more and more Christ-like. And, and you said uh, in the verse segment that the, the word really is used to make us more Christ-like and that 
Uh, it is the way that the Lord speaks to us. How many times I, I have had a day where one verse keeps coming up just from mm-hmm. multiple places and multiple sources, and then the Lord is speaking right to right into the heart of what I'm struggling with, what I know He's speaking to me, or just the support and encouragement that mm-hmm. I need in moments. It's just amazing. Or in the moments where there's someone that you know, I mean, can't tell you how many times I think to myself, I need to send an email and a verse will come to my heart and I will send it and they'll respond. That is just exactly what yeah. I need. The Lord is living and active through yep. his word. I love that when the Bible talks about itself as being living and active. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes people will say, oh, this is a living document, a document that has rules. And it's not talking about the Bible, but talking about maybe a, uh, a living document for the rules of a business or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. we'll change it as needed. Uh, and so it's, it's, it is what the way that it is now, but two years later, it might be a little bit different. Well, the Bible itself is living and active, though the words do not change. It is always, uh, as, you, as you kind of alluded to when you were talking about uh, how it reminds you and how the Holy Spirit uses it in different instances in our lives to teach us and to train us and to grow us, uh, it will use maybe a portion of Scripture that you've read a dozen times. And maybe six of those times it, it had a different meaning for you mm. uh, because yep. God was focusing in a different way mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with that scripture. So the scripture is, I love that, living and active. It is a document that even though we can read it, it's deep. It's deeper than what the words are on the page. And the spirit uses it in a way that is deeper than just reading words on the page because it teaches you and it trains you. And I, and I love that the Bible is that for us. Yeah, it's always something new. It really is. So why is believing in the whole Bible important? Assuming, as we do, that the 66 books are the whole Bible, why is believing that from Genesis to Revelation is true, important? Well, Genesis starts right off with the human condition of sin. Why that the, the creation was a certain way and that it was set up a certain way by God and that uh, the, the fall happened. And it just speaks immediately to the need for a savior and to the sin nature and that we are born into sin. And and you can't possibly, there, no one's going to come and seek a savior when they have no understanding of the fact that why they need a savior. You know, without Jesus and without the Bible, I'm a great guy in my own opinion. You know, I'm, I don't hurt anybody. You know, I don't do drugs. I go to work to support my family. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the sin condition, there's a lot of things in my heart that, that just are an affront to a holy God and, and not believing the entire Bible. I mean, if your presupposition, what you believe in the Bible starts with Genesis and any, any other way, personally, I, I, I think that affects the way that you're going to read the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you're only in the New Testament, uh, you're missing a lot of who God is. And it's really easy to um, take even Jesus and break him down to the point where he's not threatening. No, he's not angry. He's mm-hmm. just the, the surfer Jesus that loves everybody. And <laughs> that's not true. Right. And he's not he's going to return as a conquering king. And ultimately, even if you do live in the, the New Testament, there is no understanding of the book of Revelation without the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The book of Revelation is a very Jewish book. And it's difficult to understand it if you don't have a solid understanding of the Old Testament. That and Jesus himself quotes the Old Testament time and time again. I was shocked the amount of the Old Testament mm-hmm. that he, he refers to and that he references when he's up against Satan. He's constantly quoting out of mm-hmm. Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. You know, he quotes Psalms more than any other book. And even the a lot of the um, apostles did the same, which is a test as to how a lot of the New Testament got put together. How much did it tie in and reference the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. How much did it tie into what the Old Testament builds off of? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, A.W. Tozer has a great quote. I love A.W. Tozer. Uh, <clears throat> Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. If we truly believe the Bible is the inspired word of, inspired word of God, then we must prioritize the reading of all Scripture. Without the Old Testament, you cannot fully understand why Jesus had to come, mm. why he was absolutely the promised Messiah, or even how to read the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good. And, you know, I take issue with the church in some of the and some of their mandate on teaching the word to their people. I think that oftentimes there are churches who uh, pick and choose what they want to talk about and uh, ignore certain parts of the Bible. And I believe that there are believers who pick and choose what they want to believe and, and uh, what they want to focus on. And I know that there are unbelievers who, of course, don't believe in the Bible at all. Mm -hmm. But even when the Bible is referenced, it can be twisted and, and kind of uh, changed and, and focused to, to make it seem like it's saying one thing when it's not another, taking out of context. But I do believe that, uh, yes, we need to believe and understand that the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is true. And everything in it is true because God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is the Bible. It will not change until the return of our Lord. So uh, we need to take the Bible um, in its entirety when we, when we read it and when we think of it. Yeah, it truly is a cohesive story. All the Old Testament is con constantly pointing forward to the Messiah. The New Testament pointing back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, if the Bible is objective truth, what does that say about our God? What would you say? Uh, well, it goes back to that word relativism that we were talking about earlier. Really, relativism versus the objective word of God. Um, the Bible is objective truth. It's ultimate truth. The, the reason I can say that with confidence is that there is a creator. There is a one true God that he wrote, gave us his word, not because he needed to communicate. That was for us to get mm -hmm. to know him. How are we going to be in a relationship with someone that we don't know? And I think that when I came to Christ and when I started to get into the Bible, I had all sorts of preconceived notions, as many people do, of an angry God in the sky who can strike me down. And you read into the Word and you get into the Word and you see that he's a loving God. And ultimately, for us to walk in what we think is right and to reject God's Word... That's an affront to a holy God mm -hmm. and to a God who, who is res responsible for all of creation. It's all under his authority. So it comes to what we were speaking of earlier. Are we going to submit to that authority and that word of God and treat the Bible as literal? Or are we going to say, no, I don't, I don't believe that that's true and turn our back on what, what is truth. And that's when we go off. And I think that's why we see a lot of the things that we see today. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that also um, that I think it shows that God loves us in such a way that he would give us something concrete that mm -hmm. we can have. It's not like we have to believe. There's a lot of, uh, of faith, of course, to be a believer. But when you have something we can hold in your hands, you have scripture that you can read, you have uh, thoughts on the page that you could share with other believers and be, and be like-minded in the scripture, I think that speaks to a God who really is loving. He doesn't leave us hanging out there in the cold. Mm -hmm. He gives us a, a, a Bible um, a, a God-breathed document that will help us to understand how to live. And he didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. And I think that that speaks so much to his character. Yeah, he's uh, not double-minded. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. And it helps us to understand our God. Mm -hmm. um, it helps us to understand what he likes and what he doesn't like. It helps us to understand what pleases him and what angers him. It, under it makes us understand what we can do to, 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 to show our love for him and what we can do to disappoint him. And I think that we need uh, something like the Bible to show us if we do and behave in such a way 
this is what God hates. When you read the Bible and a lot of what you talked about in the Old Testament, we understand what really sets God off, what he really, really hates. So if we find out and we learn from the Bible what he really hates, I mean, I, if I didn't have the Bible, how would I know that uh, he really hates foreign gods, any other God above him? That is, he hates it when a believer goes and, and, and starts worshiping someone else, some other God, some other thing than him. That is the thing that set him off throughout the whole Old Testament. And it's like, well, if I didn't know that, I mean, how would I know? Now I know that that is the character of God. It's the character of God for us to set our attentions completely on him. When he lays out the two most important things, to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, if we didn't have the Bible to show us that if we do that, we are pleasing God, how would we know? How would we know that to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is the main, most important thing that would mm -hmm. please our God? It helps us mm -hmm. to know and to read in the Bible the things that, that make him happy and pleased with us and make him just want to wrap his arms around us and love us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it also helps us to understand what really he really hates and abhors and he doesn't want to find in his body. And he just, just, just really sets him off. So the Bible tells us and helps us to see through the lives of the people in the Bible, through what God says through the prophets, through what Jesus says himself, helps us to understand the kind of God that we serve. Absolutely. I would add that too. the, the kind of God that he is and walking in relationship with his is that he, he, God is motivated by God. Like he, he, you see it time and time again, Isaiah, time and time, he's quotes, he's, he says in the word that, for the sake of my name, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. For the sake of my name, I'm going to carry Israel out of Egypt. For the sake of my name. And then, then in the Garden of Eden, Jesus praying, Lord, not my will, but yours, for your name glorify yes. your name. And we need that. Mm -hmm. as, as his children, as, as believers, we need his name to be glorified. And, and how more is he glorified than learning through the Bible that he is not a heavy-handed uh, father he is a loving father mm -hmm. who is patient for us and you see it time and time again with how he was with the israelites and he also shows us a lot i see myself in a lot of the stubbornness of the mm -hmm. israelites mm -hmm. how I walk. Mm -hmm. he's just it's just his heart mm -hmm. tr truly there and and that it's just it's outstanding mm -hmm. uh the the gift that the the word is and when you can set your presuppositions aside and approach it as the, the true word of god you, you won't be let mm -hmm. down and God is God and there is no other. And the mm -hmm. Bible is the objective truth that we live our lives by if we claim to be followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. The last question is, uh, what are the takeaways that will help us become more hardcore in our faith? Understanding the things that we talked about today about the Bible and the validity of the Bible. What are some of the takeaways that will make us become more hardcore in our belief? Uh, for the, the redeemed person, born again, committed to Christ, approaching the Bible, as John Piper would say, supernaturally, approaching it in prayer, asking the Spirit, the God who wrote it, to help you to understand it, and, and to not approach it as, as I'm David, or putting yourself, interjecting yourself in the stories, but approaching it from, this is how the Lord is going to show me who he is. Mm -hmm. Lord, reveal yourself to me, and take it as an opportunity, not so much for what is the Bible saying to me, but what is the Bible telling me about God? Mm and that he will open doors when you seek him. I think it's in Hebrews 11, if you seek me, you know, your treasures will be in heaven. And, and our treasures are not money and wealth. Our treasures are Jesus Christ. Amen. I think also that people, uh, what they can take away from our talk here is that we should not and cannot ever add 
things to the Bible mm. that we want to be in the Bible. If it's not there and we want it to be in there, we, don't, we, we cannot add to the Bible, nor can we take anything out of the Bible. If there's something in there that you don't like, that doesn't match up with your own moral code, you can't take it out. The Bible is objective truth. It is the mind of God, and we need to approach it as such. So when we read the Bible, we need to take the whole complete Bible. And, mm-hmm. the, and right. when we read portions of the Bible, we need to take them in context of why they were written, who they were written to, and, and understand uh, what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through his word. So we can't try to change it in any way. And I think that that probably is the biggest thing that I would say um, that believers should take away from this episode is first off, the Bible is objective truth. It is what we set our lives to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the document that God gave us, the only real document that God has given us to teach us in the the way that we should should grow. Sure, sure we have prayer and we have believers, we have all these other things, and even people write books, but the Bible itself is the absolute uh, final say, the final judgment, it helps us, and it will always be the same until Jesus' return. So hopefully people who watch this show or listen to this show will understand the validity of the Bible going forward as we do more episodes on hardcore Christianity, why we use the Bible as absolute truth, as the source of what guides our conversation and what decides what truth is and what, what uh, falsehood is, what is good and what is bad, what is righteous and what is not righteous and, and false, and uh, what pleases God and what doesn't please God. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for spending time with us and exploring the question, why is the Bible truth? Be sure to join us next time when we attempt to tackle the question, is hell real? Hope to see you then. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com to leave us a comment. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.